You are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach. And although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today, if you've ever wondered if you can actually 10 times your business by doing less, well, then you do not want to miss today's Author to Authority episode. I'd love to welcome Ryan Johnson to the show. He's the founder and CEO of Three Sparrows Executive Services. As a business coach, he helps small businesses empower their team members to grow from clock punchers to owners and 10 times their personal and business success. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks so much, Kim. It's a pleasure being here with you today. So I guess the obvious question is, can you 10 times your business by doing less? (laughs) Yeah, it's a great question. It is an obvious question. And it sounds a little too good to be true, right? And that's, that's, I get that. But, but yes, you can. And there's a secret sauce to that, that I'd love to unpack. And so that's, that's going to be fun to really reveal, you know, how, how that can get done. I love it. I love it. Ryan, why don't you take a minute or two and just introduce yourself and share a little bit of your story with us? Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I'll take a 30,000 foot view to my story, but I'll start with my my first passion, baseball. So I was a baseball player growing up, just like everybody. I wanted to be a major leaguer. And so I was naive enough to think I'm going to get there someday. And I had a pretty good chance, but I, I stalled out in the independent professional leagues and played professionally for about five years after college. And then went right into my coaching career. I thought, I'm going to be a coach the rest of my life. This is great. But then the Lord had other plans and moved me away from that, but kept me in higher education and and turned into a front-end manager with the recruiting services that we offered at the colleges and, and then moved into executive leadership, which broadened my horizons and brought me to where I am today with uh, really wanting to, to help people with uh, strategic leadership. I love it. You know, it's funny how we think we're going to end up doing one thing and we end up doing something we never even imagined. I mean, as a kid, I thought I was going to grow up either a teacher or a music teacher. That was my my goal in life. And I actually did get to live that dream a little bit. I had married young. I had kids young, so I never went to university. But I did volunteer for seven years in my kids' school, and I taught music. Nice. So I did. I didn't get paid for it, but I did fulfill that one dream. But you know, never in my wildest imagination when I was younger did I ever think I would become a publisher. Like that was not anywhere in the Kim imagination of what the future would look like. Yeah, 
No, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, living your dream is important. You know, going after what you what you really want to do will bring you energy in your life. And and it did. And then I didn't have any regrets, you know. And so now I can take the best of that journey and put it yeah. into the next phase of my life. Yeah, you know what? I um when you say that, when I look back on, you know, all the different things that I've done, I was I was just on a call with someone and he was talking about his life and how it seemed like his life went here, there and kind of everywhere. And yet now, you know, looking back on it, he he saw how all of those, each one of those things brought something he needed in his life, bring him to where he's at now. And and my, my story is kind of the same, you know, like I felt like I was, you know, kind of here, there and everywhere. I've done a lot of different things. And, you know, when I, I didn't start out, to own a publishing company. I started out ghostwriting because my son was getting married and we had to replace two vehicles. <laughs> Necessity, um, yeah. <laughs> that was only, it was just to make money, right? Like, right. And, and then I fell in love with it. And so I love the fact that, you know, sometimes the journey isn't what we expect, but when you, when you get there and you look back, you realize each step was essential. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's. I love that part of it too. You're exactly right. It's building blocks, and that's why experience and is so is so necessary. It doesn't really matter. Sometimes they can be totally unrelated fields, unrelated interests, and but you can bring out those core values that you learn and and put them right into what you're doing. So that's absolutely right. So Ryan, what would you say was was the most difficult part of your journey? Mm. I like, I like these questions. This is good. Yeah. Great question. Um, I think trying to be open to, to new things, you know, when you, when you get behind your passion, you really get pretty narrow minded and, and tunneled vision. So with my pursuit of being a major league baseball player, or then eventually a division one baseball coach, I wasn't open to anything else. Like I was just like, that's it. Right. And to a point you need to be that way if, if you have a goal, mm -hmm. but then when life, and in my case, the Lord wakes me up and says, no, there's something else that you're meant to do. It's really hard to pull away from that. And that was, that was gut wrenching. I was like, this is who I am. You know, this is a, I realized it wasn't who I was. It was just what I did. And so that was, that was really hard for for that year that he pulled me away from that. And I had to try to do something totally, not totally different, but, but different. That was, that was the, the hardest part and also rich and okay. Realizing I didn't make my ultimate goal. You know, I made the goal of playing professionally, getting paid for it and, and doing a lot of cool stuff with that. It wasn't the ultimate goal. So I think those two things together were really hard Two two tough pills to swallow. Mm. Yeah, I've had a few times like that in my life where I didn't reach the full goal that I wanted to. And, you know, being able to accept that my self-worth is not based on whether I reach that goal or not. You That's know, there right. was a few times, I remember one time I was working towards a contest and I just needed one person who promised me they were going to place the order to place the order. Mm. And I would have wanted this big trip. Wow. And they didn't place the order. <laughs> just like i'm like god i worked so hard for this but you know you learn to accept these things and it was hard on me but i was like okay 
you know what? My self-worth is not based on winning this contest, no matter how nice it would have been. Yeah, that's right. It's a great point. It's something that we all need to keep in mind for sure. Well, Ryan, we are going to take just a very quick ad break here. Audience, so if you've been thinking about writing a book for your business and using it to convert readers into clients and scale your business, then you're going to want to listen to this short ad. Writing and publishing a book that converts readers into client and scales your business is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Get my free checklist at bit.ly forward slash create and scale that will show you what you need to do to have your book become a well-converting lead generating tool. Welcome back. Ryan, I I just loved how how you have shared some of your stories and and the good things and the disappointments. I just want to shift gears here because I want to get into, you know, 10 times in your business by doing less. It seems so counterintuitive. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, yeah, let's unpack that for sure. So the secret sauce for me, for, for my, and you can probably guess where I'm going to go here because I was a baseball coach, right? And so as coaches, you, you empower people to be their best. You pull the best that they have out and, and empower them to go do it. You don't do it for them. You don't step in there and, and say, okay, well, you're not doing that great at hitting the ball. I'll just suit up as you today and I'm going to go hit the ball for you. It just doesn't work that way. Right. And, and it's illegal too. You can't do <laughs> Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of those solutions out there. There's a lot of those, those types of things. So when I talk about 10 X in your business by doing less, I'm speaking to these two types of CEOs. Number one, the overwhelmed CEO that's trying to be the chief everything officer. And for a time, you have to do that, right? As a, as a small business growing into a larger business, you have to make those tough choices. Say, you know what? I'm not going to have these expenses for a while. I'm going to take on as much as possible. I get it. The second CEO I'm talking to is the visionary CEO that, that rather, uh, you know, rather go, uh, you know, walk off a cliff than, than have to sit in and do daily operations. Like they, they are so visionary. They are so visionary that they want to spend time on the vision and, and maybe they're great presenters and they're just going to share the vision all the day, all the day long, but they understand, okay, to grow, I do have to have an operations foundation and executive leader. So how do I do that? It's, I can't afford that person yet. So in both cases, as a, as a fractional chief operations officer, I come in and bridge that executive leadership gap for them. And I, I do some things for them. It's, it's a do it for them service. So I am kind of helping them, but at the same time, I'm not just jumping in doing everything they just did. I'm taking their yeah. team and empowering their, empowering their team to take more ownership, just like they do with the business. And then that allows them to step out of the daily operations and go do the things that they either love to do or really want to do or do best for the company to help it grow even more. I'm scaling. I'm setting the foundation for the company to scale. They're feeding the fire of the vision and maybe new customers and stuff like that, or maybe writing a book. You know, if they feel like writing a book is going to help their business grow, then that gives them the time to do that. So it's all about empowerment and taking ownership. I've actually been reading some different books on 10 xing your business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
one of the things that is consistent throughout is you have to change how you think. Yes. You have to change how you think about yourself. You have to change how you think about your business. You have to change how you think about how much uh, of everything you hold on to. And doing this, well, I officially started the publishing company in 2016, really started to take off in 2017. So let's just say it lasts seven years. It has been a process of learning how to let go and not do everything myself. Mm-hmm. And is that hard for you? Every time I do it, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes there's things that have to be dealt with, but right. you know, eventually it becomes just this really amazing thing that allows me to do what I want to do, which is grow the company. Yes. And you and you and you can grow them if you're the fuel to the fire, right? If you're if you're the one that has the the biggest vision and you ultimately will. I mean, you can get your your, your team, your employees and incentivize them and cast the vision and really treat them well so they can they're going to have a next level ownership of the company but they're never going to have your ownership of the company because you started it and it's your baby and we get that and so if you're the fuel to that engine and providing all sorts of new customers and sales you got to have a foundation to scale that or else they're going to drown and then everybody's going to be frustrated and eventually unfortunately you know hopefully the business doesn't fail, but that can certainly happen as well. If there's too much incoming growth and not enough foundation to scale that, that's when people get in trouble. The one thing I found I've done is I usually will learn how to do it myself first because I am the CEO and I'm the one who's building the business. But once I've learned how to do it, then I usually find someone else to take it on. And the thing is, I don't have to be the expert of it. I just need to know enough to make sure that anyone I bring on is doing the job that I need them to do. So I usually learn how to do it by doing it for a bit. I bring someone on and then here's what I tell them. Listen, I do not have this down pat. The reason I'm bringing you on is because I don't have a down pat. I'm going to show you the way that I do it. You are free to welcome, to change it to whatever you want. As long as A, it accomplishes what needs to be done, and B, it's morally and ethically and legally allowed. That's Other than that, and if it's going to cost me money, you have to come to me if it's going to cost money. Right. But if if it's outside of those three things, mm-hmm. change it and make it your own. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great approach. Yes, allows you to do it because doesn't need to be done my way. It just needs to be done. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. So you're empowering them. And that, that's great for sure. And, uh, and I think in, in, in my case, the, uh, the beauty of, of that is, is I'm the go-between of the troubleshoot, right? And mm-hmm. so instead of them coming to you, they come to me and that gives you even more time to do the things that you want and need to do to grow the company. So uh, when you get a foundation set and then you get keep stoking the fire of incoming business, that's when you get that 10X. And uh, I always tell I always tell people when I talk to them, would, would you like to add business or would you like to multiply business? And that's that's the difference in bringing in uh, strategic help, not just help. You know, you yes. can bring in more clock punchers, as I say, but that's not going to eliminate any more time for you. This is going to add more business and put more on your plate because there's more trouble. There's more questions. There's more uh, things to do. And so there needs to be uh, an executive leadership 
level there that buffers them or else they're going to stay in the weeds no matter what. So that's the difference of adding or multiplying their business. I heard a term probably a couple of years ago and it was called an employeepreneur. These are people who, who want to work a job, but still have that entrepreneurial type spirit, you know, and they, they take ownership within their jobs to help make the companies better. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, many times those are the type of people that you kind of want to hire. I'm really thankful. I have a book project manager and she is growing and learning in the job. And as she's growing and learning, she's taking on more of the responsibilities for, you know, running all the behind the scenes stuff. We just went through the process of, you know, what does hiring look like? We had to bring on some more editors. So I just walked her through that process. And now it's like, okay, the next time uh, you're going to do this mostly by yourself. I'm there to help and support you. But ultimately her job will be the hiring of people. I, you know, I will no longer be the one who does most of the hiring. I, I think there's a certain positions that I will, that are outside of her purview that I will hire, but yeah. you know, our writing, our editing team, you know, our proofreaders, all of that will be her responsibility to hire mm-hmm. and hopefully never have to fire. <laughs> right. Right. I think that's a great move because the more you can trust your team to take on more of those leadership roles, those management roles, the more they're going to feel validated and trusted and that they they want to stick around for people like that. People that uh, CEOs that empower their people, those are the ones that that keep their people around a lot longer. And that's the other piece of the puzzle is is employee retention. Um, You want it to make make it so hard for them to want to leave. And there's a lot of easy ways to do that, that people just don't take the time to do. You're hitting it right on the head. You're, you're empathetic to their goals and you want to empower them to grow within your company. And hopefully they stay and they take more off your plate. It's a win-win situation. You know, I have two words that make all the difference and so barely used in today's job world. Thank you. <laughs> Like, how often do you do something and no one ever says thank you to you? Right. Absolutely. Or, or even worse, you get, okay, now what? (laughs) If especially, especially if they hit a goal, right? If if they hit a goal and they go, okay, great. But what's the next one? There's no celebration. There's no time to celebrate. So yes, to say thank you just for doing their, their job. And some people, it's their job. They should need to be thanked. Well, to a point, yes, you're correct. But it goes, it's that extra mile that goes a long ways to say, you know, I see that you, this is your job, but I appreciate you doing your job and the way you do it too. But then yes, to, to take it the extra mile and say, oh man, let's celebrate this goal. That just, that makes it fun. And then that's really hard to leave a, a fun environment like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I want to, just before we, we shift gears again, I want to touch a little bit on the mindset bit of it. Cause I think that's, that's one of the areas where, you know, as entrepreneurs really get stuck is, is shifting that mindset. I would, I would love to have you talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah, for sure. So uh, when, when you become, when you go on your own and try to replicate what you've done in, in the past under the umbrella of, of, of another employer, that it is a huge mind shift, mindset shift to, to say, oh man, okay, I'm, I'm the one that that does it all now. I'm the one that brings in the business and runs the business. And 
even even for a solopreneur like myself, you know, that's that's a big thing. That's a big weight that, that goes on your shoulders. But it's so um, it's it's a good thing because then you can really kind of have you can have more empathy for the the people that you work with that are also entrepreneurs and even more empathy for my past leaders, you know, that I worked with to say, oh, man, this was a big this was a big weight for them to carry. And even though you're in the C-suite position, you ultimately, the buck doesn't ultimately stop with you for everything. And so that is, that is a big, big thing. So for me, really, really understanding that consistency and partnerships, alliances, those types of things, relationships have become so much more important now. They should have been before. They were to a point, obviously, people that you work with, but as far as partnership type of relationships, growing your network, that type of thing, people want to work with people they trust and people that they care for. And rather than somebody you just met on a cold after a cold email, that type of thing. So it takes time. So the mind shift, mindset shift comes in a couple of different ways. Number one, that it's it's all on me then I have to create systems and processes to, to scale this thing and move it forward. And then number two, wow, let me, if, if I'm going to develop relationships, it can't be one-sided. So it's got to be win-win situations. So those, those have been the two big things for me to really wrap my brain around. And it's really showed me the value of, of just people in general, because you can get to a level to where everything becomes transactional and not relational and people can see that. And I think deep down, we don't want to do that, but we often do just because things are crazy, you know, have, have your own business and, and things are going a mile a minute or hundred miles a minute. And you just want to get to the next thing. But what's really going to make you grow is, are those relationships? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Let, let's also talk about it from the side of 10 Xing your business. So what is the, you know, what is the, the biggest mindset hindrance you see you know, in CEOs and solopreneurs and people like that to 10Xing their business? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Thanks for steering me back to that. So strate strategic growth planning <laughs> and that people hear strategic planning, they just, unless they're an operations person, right. Or, or now some visionaries really love it because they can just dream and dream and dream. But then strategic planning gets a little crazy because that's all you're doing is dreaming. You're not actually setting a plan to execute. So to, to 10 X your business, you have to have some sort of a strategic plan. I like to call it a strategic growth plan. How, who are we and who do we serve and how are we going to do it? And where do we want to be? You know, it's very, very simple. Now it takes time to do that. You know, a solid day or day and a half for sure. Uh, every every year, and then revisit it every quarter, and then you're keeping on track every week to make sure you're making progress. That's been the biggest thing when I talk to other entrepreneurs uh, and just business leaders in general. You know, how's the strategic planning going? They go, "Oh, yeah, I need to do that." It's like, well, you're doing you're doing business right now. So, what's your what's your compass? Because that's what a strategic growth plan is: is a compass. And they're like, well, we, you know, this is what we do. And, and so they have elements of it, but it's not succinct. It's not guided and it's definitely not, you're not accountable to it. And so you kind of throw your hands up every quarter and go, well, did better. I'm not sure how, but we did worse. Ooh, that's bad. I don't know how. 
So that's been the biggest thing for me is to really under make people understand how important that strategic growth planning is. And I think too, as an entrepreneur, I mean, I know I've had to battle it constantly, you know, as those squirrel moments, you know, those shiny objects. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I got to try that. Oh, I got to try that. Oh, this guru said to do this. I was on this teaching and training and they said to do that. And, and it's like, Wow, I get so easily distracted. Mm. I don't know if you have it in the States, but in Canada, we have something called craft dinner. It's basically macaroni and cheese in a box. So you okay. the macaroni <laughs> noodles, you cook them, you add buttermilk, you add the cheese powder, you mix yeah. it all up, you got mac and cheese. Yep. Okay, it's quick, it's easy. It's not the real thing, but kids love it and it makes an easy lunch, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's this commercial where these two guys have each have a bowl of craft dinner, we call it Katie. And, you know, one guy's trying to get the other guy's bowl because he really wants to eat all of it. Right. So all of a sudden you see this little noodle and it just appears in these different places. And the guy gets distracted by these noodles. And the other guy manages to grab his bowl of KD and eat it because this other guy's distracted. Yeah. So in our house, we always called it, you know, when things like that would happen, it was called the distracted noodle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get you get distracted. You see something like, oh, I gotta have that, right? Yeah. And I, that happens a lot in business too. Oh my goodness, yes. That's a that's a funny example, a great example. Yeah, it and you want to be a lifelong learner. That's the hard part. So you can justify it yourself and say, well, I'm I'm a lifelong learner. I'm doing my due diligence to learn. And yes, that that is right. That's where it starts. But and I've done it too, constantly because I I'm a learner. I love reading and Me watching too. and learning and and that's there is power to that. But there's a lot of confusion with that too. So that's where it has to be filtered through the strategic growth plan. Absolutely. Yeah. Or if you need to change the plan, you know, taking the time to change it properly. That's right. Yeah. Setting yeah. new goals, new new milestones new dashboard to, to measure those things. Yeah. Plans are strategic plans are dynamic in nature. They're not meant to be put in a three ring binder and set them on a shelf. That's the worst thing you can do with a plan. I love the cloud these days because that's where plans should be. They should be in the cloud. They should be accessible to everybody. Everybody should have the ability to raise their hand and say, Hey, can we talk about this? This doesn't seem to be working or we need to shift this, or I just found this resource that is a better tactic than the one we're using, but it's going to keep us true to the heart of this value that we have in this company, those types of things. You're exactly right. They're made to be used, not just to be archived and pull out once a year for a board meeting. Yeah. Ryan, we're going to shift gears here. We're almost at the end of the show. I know you're not an author, though you have done a lot of writing. But you were telling me about this course that you did. So I'm going to I'm going, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all of the authors on the show. Okay. And uh, But we're going to apply it to creating and using and getting this course out there. So what was the good? First of all, tell us what the course is. And then what was the good, the bad, and ugly about creating and getting that thing out there? Yeah, absolutely. The course, uh, I've created the course, but it's really meant to go along with the boot camp. But for the sake of the conversation, it's the, it's the operations framework for business leaders. and it's a, it's a three-step course, 12 weeks that really maps the, uh, the personal development side out of leadership of young leaders that are, in, that are in management and trying to really be their best so they can take ownership for the, for the company. 
and then really shows them how to create plans and then more importantly how to execute those plans so so that's that's the course the operations framework for business leaders and then i couple that with a 12-week boot camp where i'm actually stepping them through it they they watch it and then we discuss it and we i hold them accountable to the assignments that are due every week so that's what that is so the process the process was uh was a long time in the making when i started the entrepreneurial journey i knew just because i read a lot of books and and i take other courses to be able to have a framework to be able to lead people. If I'm going to lead people, I need to have a framework that they can see tangibly that this is how this is going to work. So it brings credibility, just like a book does to, to a thought leader or a business leader. And so I thought, I'm going to start with the course. I do want to write a book someday, but I'm going to start with the course and really coach the people through this process. And that'll be my journey for the book. So the process was, uh, wasn't as hard as I thought getting the content, the hard part was organizing it in such a way where people could follow me with it. And really it would build on itself just like a book does have a couple outlines of a book. They just haven't formed, you know, haven't really had the conviction to to follow through just yet. But that's the biggest part of, of those outlines of the book is really making sure you get the framework and then fill in your expertise as you go in a personal connecting way. So it was hard to rein in my creativity and all my years of experience of operations and leadership and execution and say, I've got all this information. It's going to be great. Uh, But as I was going through, I was like, no one's going to be able to follow me on this (laughs) because it's it's everywhere, right? Get so much energy behind what you do. And all of a sudden it doesn't even make sense to you when you read it back. So that, that took a while to really hone that in. And then once you do that, then that's where the fun comes in because then you're just letting your personality go. You're filling in the content. For me, it's a video course. So I got to just, you know, be, be myself and present the content because I knew it so well and it was organized in such a way. It was so much easier just to let your, let your talents and abilities take over. So it was, it was a fun, but very challenging process. Brian, thank you so very much. Just before we go, I'd love to give you an opportunity to share one final thought. And if people have enjoyed today's conversation, how can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah. As far as a final thought goes, I love uh, letting people know if you're going to grow your business, if you're going to 10x your business on doing less, you, you have to, you have to, you have to offer value first. You have to lead with value first. And that comes with how you treat your employees to get them motivated to to take ownership like you want them to take ownership of the business. Or if it's just trying to promote your book or that sort of thing, it's all about leading with value and developing those those personal relationships. And with that being said, I'd, I'd love to connect with as many people as possible. They can they can find me at threesparrows.com, threesparrowses.com. But I've got a free gift for your listeners. We can put this in the show notes. If they go to threesparrowses.com slash framework, then I've got a three-step PDF there, how to scale your business past 10 million, three steps. It talks about the frameworks of my course. That's for free. They don't even have to give me an email. If they want to connect with me, a free strategy session, I'll do that also. So kind of a two-for-one gift there at threesparrowses.com slash framework. And I'm on LinkedIn all the time. 
So I would love to connect with them on LinkedIn and they can find me through my website, threesparrowses.com. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Ryan, so much for being on the show today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Audience, what is next? If you've enjoyed this episode, I highly recommend that you go back to episode 468, How to Supercharge Your Revenue Growth with Jason Pearl. If you're on YouTube, you know the routine. My daughter has put the clickable thumbnail somewhere here on the screen. If you're on your favorite podcast app, you're going to scan back uh, probably almost 10 episodes. And it'll be another wonderful topic that's going to help you take your business to the next level. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The Extraordinary Word Ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.